Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise the Lord. I am so, so excited to share the word of God. And um, before we start, let's pray. Father, we just honor you for your word. Lord, I say none of me but all of you. Have your way. Lord, speak. I'm available. I yield myself completely, spirit, soul, body. Use me. As a musician, we use a musical instrument. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm, I'm very, very honored to share the word of God this morning. And I really, really want to honor Pastor Tom. Is uh, is the man. I appreciate him for many, many reasons, um, for being a good leader, uh, a spiritual leader, not just for Global River, but for all the churches that are part of Global River, and for this region, standing for truth and declaring truths no matter what. That's the kind of pastors God said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with wisdom and understanding. Praise God. So I'm going to be speaking on a subject this morning that I trust the Holy Spirit will push you forward, will move you forward, advance you forward. And the subject is dead faith. Dead faith. And there's a reason that I titled it dead faith, to catch your attention, to catch my attention. And our text is going to be taken from James chapter 2. If you have your Bible, James chapter 2. Verse 13 to 25. Before we read that, I'm going to quote 2 Timothy 4 2 to us. Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching. He said, Preach the word, not my opinion. Preach the word, not what's going on in the world. Preach the word. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. James chapter 2, beginning from verse 13. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? I'm reading from the New King James. Can faith save him? Question. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that's where I got the title, dead faith. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. Clap for yourself. Even demons believe and they tremble. When was the last time you trembled because you believe? The Bible says demons believe and they tremble. But do you not know, this is not me, this is God, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And I'm going to get to the word works. You keep hearing the word works over and over and over and over again. And by works, faith was made perfect or matured. If you look at the Amplified. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Coach Mike and I had a lunch earlier in the week, and we were talking about this. Abraham's faith was accounted for righteousness. You see then that a man is justified or made right or made righteous by works and not by faith only. (laughs) Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works 
when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead. I want you to look at my shoe, not because I want to advertise it. This shoe is alive because my foot is inside it. If I remove my foot, it's just going to sit there. It's going to do nothing until kingdom come. But the moment I put my feet on it, inside it rather, then it comes alive. Another example would be a glove. A glove is useless, lifeless. But the moment a hand goes inside it, it comes alive. The same way, that's why he's using the analogy, the body is dead without the spirit. That's why when somebody passes away, there's nobody home anymore. Nobody's home. That's why rigor mortis will set in, and then we go and do the funeral, and we say our goodbyes, because nobody's home. The person, the real person is gone. So we see this scripture applies to, and I love my brother and, and your obedience to the Lord and what you did is exactly what James is talking about here. You know, you see a brother and a sister, destitute, and even Coach Mike did the same thing in my face. We were going somewhere to lunch, and somebody asked for money, and then there you go. Praise the Lord. We have to practice that. We have to be charitable. As the Lord places it in your heart to bless somebody, a brother or sister that is in need. And that's one of the things I love about the ministry of Global River Church. We are not just about ourselves. In fact, because I'm a member of the board, which I'm going to talk about in the course of the message, I get to see the finances of the church and be part of that conversation. So we, we are always scattering. We are always blessing people. You know, we are always, not just locally, but internationally. I know what's happening in many of the ministries attached to Global River Church. So that's what, one of the things that I want to bring out of that, being charitable. When somebody comes to you and they say they are in trouble, you pray with them, encourage them with the word, and if you are able, deep in your pocket. Amen? If you are able, go into your pantry and get some things out to help them out. Praise the Lord. That's part of faith that is our work. Faith that is alive. Faith that is living. Glory to God. When you look at the word works that we kept encountering throughout the passage, is the Greek word agon, E-R-G-O-N. It means the following. Deeds. It means appropriate action. It means Work, business. So faith without appropriate action is like a shoe or a glove that does not have, is not alive. Dead faith. So we've talked about the charitable part of it, but I want to go to the direction that the Lord wants me to address this morning. Faith must act. Help me tell your neighbor, faith must act. Faith must be alive. He must act. In fact, one of the things that Smith Wigglesworth was known for when he comes in and starts preaching, sometimes he would do it for five minutes, ten minutes, running from one side of the auditorium to the other. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith must act. And by the, by the help of the Holy Ghost today, I'm going to show us in Scripture, and I'm going to share some personal examples to bring it together. You know, when a teacher is teaching a subject, they will open and say, this is what we are going to talk about, trigonometry, and then they introduce the subject, and then they go into examples, and then they go into another example, and then go into another example. That's the style of Jesus. He will teach, and he will use example of sheep and shepherd. He will use example of a farmer. He will use example to bring home a spiritual point. Amen? Faith must act. An act, a deed done, the idea of working is emphasized as opposite to which, to the opposite of not working. Business, employment, this is all definition of the word are gone. Now, James chapter one, one chapter before, 21 to 25. I wanna highlight some things there. James chapter one, 21 to 25. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Verse 22. I want you to highlight it. Put it in pink, yellow, green. Star it. Spit on it. Do something. <laughs> but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. But be ye, what? Doers of the word, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. So if I'm just hearing a bunch of word, but there is no action on my part, the Bible says I deceive myself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man that observes himself in the natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what manner of person or man or woman he was. I think women know this more than guys. But he who looks, he or she who looks into the perfect law of liberty and not just look into it but continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but rather a doer of the work, this is the one that will be blessed. Do you see the conditions? He that hears continues and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of what the word says, this is the man or woman that will be blessed. Luke chapter 11, 27 and 28. I think that may not be on your material. Luke 11, 27 and 28. The Bible says, And it happened as Jesus spoke these things, as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nurtured you or nursed you. And Jesus turned to her. He didn't say, just thank you, that was cool. No, no, no. But Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word and what? Keep it. You see, that, that connects with James chapter 1 that we read. He that hears the word but also goes a step further and do it is a doer of the word that receives from God. Are you a doer of the word? Or just a forgetful hearer. Or somebody that just hears the word and they are excited and they say, Whoa, that was what happened in church today? That was a good word. Bishop brought it. But then what are you going to do on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and ad infinitum? That's what makes the word come alive in your life and in my life. I have to be a doer of the word. Tell your neighbor, I have to be a doer of the word. I want you to know one thing. We've been learning so many aspects connected to the law of faith. We, we talked in the last couple of weeks. I spoke about it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor uh, spoke for two weeks on the subject of love. We've emphasized that faith works by love. And we also looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. There abide hope, faith, and love. But the greatest of them is love. But I also want to submit to you that without faith, nothing moves in the kingdom. You are not going to get blessed. You are not going to get saved. You are not going to get healed. You are not going to get anything that the word of God promised. We got to know it. I have to know how faith works, just like a plumber knows how to do the work of plumbing. They are not guessing. They are not wondering, how is this pipe going to fit together? They know exactly. My brother knows what, is, what I'm talking about. They know ex I have no clue. But he knows we need to have a working knowledge of the word of God and how to put faith to work on purpose. And one of the things that you must learn about faith is faith must act. Faith must act. I'm, I'm building up to something this morning. Faith must act. The Bible told us about Abraham's faith. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We read that earlier. Now I want to paint a quick picture of the Abraham's faith. 
building up to where we're going. The Bible said God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a son. And in this son, he shall be the father, you shall basically become the father of many nations. And then after many years, that's episode one of Abraham's faith. After many years of waiting, finally, Isaac was born. The word became flesh. Glory to God. And then all of a sudden, after many years of this boy growing, I mean, think about it. This was the apple of Abraham's eyes. If anybody wants to come at that boy, Abraham is going to go after them tooth and toenail because I know how long it took me to believe God for this boy. So it's safe to say that in the household of Abraham, Isaac was number one. Not even his wife, not even all the servants, not even all his friends. Isaac was number one. So one day God spoke to him. He said, I want that boy. You know the story. The one that you love. That's the way the scripture said. The boy that you love, take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And the scripture said, I want you to watch the works, the action of Abraham. Abraham received the word, believed it, and then what did Abraham do? He got up early, packed up everything for a sacrifice because God told him it was going to be a sacrifice. He's not a novice when it comes to sacrifice. He knows what's needed. And as they were journeying, the, the, the son asked him, say, Father... I see everything that is needed for a sacrifice. Where is the ram? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the sacrifice. Abraham was prophetically speaking about the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. I'm going somewhere this morning. So you begin to see the act, the faith of Abraham in action. He got to Mount Moriah, set the table, everything is ready. He put the boy on the altar, and Abraham was ready to do it. And the angel of the Lord said, no, now I know that you believe me. And then he said, look, over there, there is a ram caught in a ticket. And we know the story. The ram was sacrificed in place of Abraham. And so when you see the faith of Abraham, that's why the Bible says he is the father of faith. Because Abraham did not have the privilege of looking into the Bible. He was capped patient zero. He had no reference. We have reference in the word, and we look at the story of Abraham, we look at the story of the prophet, we look at the story of the Lord Jesus and the apostles, and we can use that to hold ourselves and anchor ourselves in our faith. But Abraham had none of that. And that's why the, God said in blessing, I'm going to bless your sucks off. Ooh. I'm going to bless your sucks off. And has he done it? Glory to God. He's a faithful God. So you see, faith must act. If you claim to believe what God told you, the action is the proof that you believe it. Amen. Glory to God. When you talk about prophetic act, we, we know many, many people in the church, sometimes we say some things that some people may not know. Prophetic act is doing something in the natural that has spiritual impact. So if God says, stretch forth your hand to the Red Sea, what has that got to do? When were, okay, I'm going to ask you. The last time you stretched forth your hand to the pool in your backyard or the pool in your neighbor's yard, did you part? Now, it did something in the natural, but something spiritual was taking place even though you may not see it. So that's what a prophetic act is. You are doing something in the natural, and it affects something in the spiritual. So even in the case of prophetic act, I'm looking at time. I don't know if I have enough time to go into the details, but you know the story of Elisha. Elisha told Joash the king in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 18. He told him to strike the ground. If you don't know the story, you can go home and read it. He told him to strike the ground. And the king took the, the arrow and struck the ground three times. And the prophet at this time was about to expire, about to go. And he was very, very annoyed with him. He said, why did you do it three times? 
But when you think about it, he says, strike the ground. He say, how many times to strike the ground? Mr. Prophet, <laughs> you didn't tell me how many times. I just guessed three. But the, the scripture told us that they won three times against their enemies, meaning that that blow to the ground was victory. That's prophetic act. What I'm trying to say is he had to do what the prophet said in order for that victory to be realized later. And they had three victories. You can study it. Another one that I will mention is in the story of Joshua and the children of Israel marching around the city of Jericho. Now, tell me, what has marching around the city got to do with a battle? That is the stupidest war plan that you can ever come up with. Your enemies are behind and a fortified city. The city wall is yay high and... The, the historians tell us that you can actually put a horse that has 12 uh, horses, a carriage rather, that has 12 horses on it, and it will drive on that, on, that, on that wall. That's how wide and how tall this wall is. And God told his people, march around the city. Imagine, and I'm sure in their mind, if you ask, if you interview the Israelites at that moment, they will tell you, this is stupid. This is dumb. What has, got, what has this got to do with war? In fact, they might be thinking, they're going to start shooting at us from the wall. We need to give a wide berth. But in spite of their mind and the conversation going on in your head. Sometimes you have to do that. When you are acting in faith, it looks like you are either in denial or you don't understand what is really going on. Because to an untrained or an uncircumcised eye, it looks like, what is James doing? That doesn't make any sense. So they march around the city. And you know the story. The wall of Jericho came down. They won the victory. So my point with that is, even in prophetic act, there is an action that God demands either from the prophet, prophet rather, or from his people in order for something to take place in the spirit that will affect what's happening in the natural. So the law of faith, whether it's the gift of faith, like Pastor was alluding to earlier, or operating in the prophetic act, or day-to-day -day faith that I or you have to engage to get the blessing that God has promised you. It's the same. I was in prayer in the course of last year. I spent time every day with God. But in, in that particular day, I was reading about the madman of gathering. So when I do that, I usually wake up early so I have enough time. I'm not rushing. I, I study all the areas where the, that particular story is mentioned. So I was reading the Luke account and the Matthew account, and I finished. I began to meditate. I continued to meditate. I was just thinking. Of, I was in the story. I was in the eyes of the madman. I was in the eyes of Jesus. I was in the eyes of the crowd. I was just there. I was there. I was, that's what I was thinking about. All of a sudden, I got quiet. And I've seen this happen with Papa Egan too. I got quiet. I wasn't thinking anything. All of a sudden, the Lord said, do you believe in tithing? I was like, huh? I wasn't thinking about tithing. I wasn't thinking about giving. I was just meditating on deliverance, faith, and what was happening in that story. I said, Lord, you know I do. And the question wasn't questioning. It was more of a conversation. Do you believe in tithing? And then he asked me, what is your proof that you believe in tithing? I said, well, let's see. Uh, because I believe in tithing, as soon as I get my income, I calculate the 10% off the top, and then, look at it, watch my action. Watch the action of a, a man or a woman that believes what the word says relative to tithing. I calculate the 10% and I write the check. And then on the day, Sunday, Wednesday, whatever time I go to service, when you know, they call for offering, I go, I match to the front and I put it in there. And then God says, is that all? I said, no. But also, after I'm done with that, I begin to water my seed with my words. 
Father, I thank you because you said, Give ye, bring ye all the tithes to my storehouse, that I may be meeting my house. Lord, I decree and I declare no devourer has any legal right into my finances. No devourer has. I began to prophesy and declare over my giving. And it's not just a one-time thing because you give your tithe all the time. So you, all the time you're engaging in that. And then he said, is that all? I said, no. The last part is I expect what your word promised. I begin to make room for what your word promised. So God now said to me, so now you've seen a total picture of a man or a woman that believes, in this case, on tithing. They are not just saying, I believe in tithing, and they never give. They are not just saying, I believe in tithing, they never sow, they never give. Amen? Amen. I know this is tough. Because when you talk about money in church, people be looking at you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I said earlier that I am privileged to be part of the board. I said it's it's a privilege because I don't know how I got in there. I know it's it's just the Lord and Pastor Tom. But I, I have that honor to serve in that capacity. So I get to see the finances of the church. And for those that were here last week, you saw... Brian uh, speaking to us about the finances of the church and how we are doing and all that. You know, one of the things that I found in that particular day when the Lord was speaking to me, said, now I want you to go to Malachi 3. So God took me back to Malachi 3. I want to read some things to you, and I'm going to pull out some things and then I'll move on because I know money makes people uncomfortable. (laughs) Malachi chapter 3. (laughs) The Bible says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He said, you have robbed me. Robbed. Armed robber. (laughs) You know armed robbers? You guys don't know armed robbers. You have to come to Africa. For real. You all don't know armed robbers. They come for real. Like gangster. Anyway, come back, Bishop. In what way have we robbed you in tithe and offering? You are cursed with a curse. This is not my word. This is God's word. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It wasn't just speaking to one individual. It was talking to the whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down blessings, that there will not be room enough to receive it, I will rebuke the devourer. So God highlighted to me that day, verse 11. I will rebuke the devourers. It seems to me, anybody that would think just on the surface, because God tells us, you are a son and a daughter. I'm giving you authority to address darkness, to address situations, to speak to the waves and the winds. We know that. But here he's saying, I will rebuke the devourers for your sake. So what God showed me that day, and you can disagree with it if you want, but what God showed me that day seems to me that God is the only one that's qualified to rebuke the devourers. You can say, devourer, I rebuke you, I rebuke you. The only thing that qualifies for the devourer to lift their hand off your finances is your obedience to the law of tithe. Because once you do it, now you engage God to rebuke the devourers for your sake. There are some confessions we make that's just noise because it's not in alignment with scripture. We have to be very scriptural. So God says, I will rebuild the devourer for your sake so that it will not come into your blessing, into your, you know, pot house. And, you know, back then they have, uh, they are agrarian society. They raise animals. They do farming and all that. So the references are around that, but it applies to business, your career, your paycheck, all of that good stuff. So the proof that the, the, the proof that you are you have active faith, faith that is active, where your money is concerned, is you obey what the word says. And some people will have to take baby steps. You know, maybe you've never tithed. Like, I can't survive on a hundred, Bishop. Now you want me to do 90? I didn't want you to do 90. God said, if you would trust me in this. In fact, one of the few places where God puts, he's boasting his chest. He said, 
Try me in this, saith the Lord of hosts. If I, the Lord, will not open the windows of heaven and pour down such blessings that people will be like, is he just bishop? Is he the only one? Is he just Coach Mike? Is he the only one? It's because you've engaged the law. In fact, I heard a man of God say, mightily used by God in in continent of Africa. He has churches all over Africa. Mightily used by God. He said, when it comes to finances, in fact, he doesn't pray on his finances. And this man is one of the richest preachers in the world. You know who I'm talking about. He said he doesn't pray on his finances because he found out what unlocks finances. Give. It starts with tithing. And then extravagant sowing. Extravagant sowing. I mean, this man tells so many stories of his sowing life. And <laughs> I'm walking my way towards that. Praise the Lord. I'm walking my way. You have to be willing to give your Isaac. If you are not willing to give your Isaac, you cannot experience the, the kind of miracle that Abraham experienced. Abraham's blessings are mine. Hallelujah. Abraham's blessings are, I am blessing the money in the, in the evening because Abraham. Then do what Abraham did, my brother. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do that, but you, you get the point. If you want Abraham's blessing, you've got to do what Abraham did. Abraham believed God, but it wasn't just believe sitting on the chair and doing nothing, but he engaged with doing something. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to give you some personal examples, and I'm going to give you another example from uh, somebody that y'all may know. I'm already southern. I'm doing y'all. I'm very, very southern. <laughs> so uh, a few weeks ago, we went, the men, we went on a retreat, the men's retreat, uh, Fort Caswell. Leading up to that, I started doing exercise because Coach Mike is all my, you know, Bishop, we got to do it. We got to get it. We got to get it. He's, 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 my, he's my man. <laughs> you know, I talk about him a lot. And then he's going to call me later like, Bishop, what's up? Why you been using my name all the time? But anyway, I started doing my workout, and I added skipping rope to my routine. And I started doing it for you know a week, two weeks. After about two and a half weeks, I, f- I just discovered that this foot started hurting like Dickens. So I looked on Google like we all do. <laughs> What's going on? And Google gave me all kinds of terrible reports. So I want to encourage you, don't look at Google. <laughs> don't even look there. You know what it's going to tell you. It's going to tell you your foot is about to fall off. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, and this was a few days before the retreat, and I was scheduled to, to preach uh, during the retreat. So my foot was hurting like the dickens. So the first day, I rubbed it with ointment, which is fine, you know. Right, you know, to, to rub it, and instead of getting better, it's got worse. You know the kind of pain that it starts throbbing? It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> it was that kind of pain. So day two, the Holy Spirit said, when are you going to get rid of that pain? I said, what? What do you mean? And I knew exactly what it meant. Because I was walking by sight. I wasn't engaging my faith. So I said, okay, I'm going to believe God. So I said, Lord, Father, I thank you because your word says, by your stripes I'm healed. So I prayed the prayer of faith, and I say, Father, I thank you because I believe that I receive my healing. Now, the thing is still, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's still doing that. I already prayed, but it's still doing that. And I was supposed to go and speak a powerful word to the man. You know, just a few days from now, man of eight, and your foot is throbbing. <laughs> so the Lord asked me, because he was teaching me, he's coaching me. You know, the Holy Spirit is our coach. He's our teacher. He's coaching me. He's coaching me through it. He said, if you were healed, 
if your foot was healed right now, what would you be doing? Because when your foot is hurting, what do you do? You put it up, and then you act sick. <laughs> right? And let, what I mean by that is everybody bring something to me. Bring me the juice. Bring me the chips. Get me the covers. And then you look pitiful. You know what I'm talking about. You're very good at it. We all are very good at it. And then I start acting sick. And the Lord says, if you were healed, what would you be doing? You act, you act healed. So I started doing the best that I can. I put the sh- Even wearing shoes was painful. I had to go to work. I had to go to the retreat and preach. So long story because of time. I kept acting on my faith. If you see me, you won't know that my foot was hurting. I was just doing the best I can, walking as best as I can. Thank you, Father, because I believe that I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. So we got to Fort Caswell. Day one, the night when we went to the restaurant, it was troubling, it was troubling. I got back to the room. And when I left, I packed the skipping rope, the, the culprit. I packed it along. Yeah, the jump rope. So when I got in the hotel at night, the Lord said, are you healed? I said, yes, I am healed. He said, well, normally you do your skipping rope in the morning and you do it at night. So if you are healed, then do it. I'm not a doctor, by the way. So I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm preaching the word. So don't write me a letter and bring your lawyer. This will be my proof. I told you I'm not a doctor. So I got in my hotel room. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that I'm healed. I believe that I'm healed. And it was painful. I did it. Morning when I woke up, I did it. In the evening after I preached, I did it. And then when I woke up the next day, the pain was gone. And I'm going to tell you, this is not something unique to what I did. I heard Andrew Womack. I don't know if you all know Andrew Womack. He shared a similar testimony that I found out about later. He was walking in one of his properties, and then he slipped. It was one of those icy, stormy winter time. He slipped, and his foot, he, can, he said he could hear the, some noise. It's like, this is bad. This is orthopedic surgeon bad. But this is a man that preaches faith. And the Holy Ghost said, what are you going to do? You know, when God says that, he's inviting you into something. He said, what are you going to do? He said, he picked up his foot and said, Father, I thank you because I believe I'm healed. And then he's walking like this, walking like this. By the time he got home, the foot was healed. Active faith. You know what we do? Lord, I believe that I'm healed. And then we continue to act sick. Your Action must be in corresponding alignment with what the word says and what you are claiming to believe. Remember, if you claim to believe in tithing, your action will align with it. Headache. You know, headache, everybody gets headache from time to time. It's no big deal. We got Tylenol, ibuprofen. I mean, if I ask y'all to mention what's in your cabinet right now, which is in my cabinet, by the way, too. So I'm not saying that I don't have talent or ibuprofen. But God spoke to me. He said, if you can't believe God for a headache and get rid of a headache, because headache has no real danger. It's not going to kill you, per se, unless there's some other underlying medical thing going on, which if you need to see your doctor, go see your doctor. But God said, if you cannot believe God for a headache, how are you going to stand in front of cancer? How are you going to stand in front of arthritis? How are you going to stand in front of the, big, the bigger ones? So you have to take baby steps with things that have no real, that will not kill you, per se, when it comes to your physical health. So recently, a couple of weeks ago, I had a headache. And the natural inclination is go to the cabinet, get a pill, and, and you know, ba-bam, ba-bam. I got to go to work. The analogy or the excuse that I always give in the past is, well, I can't go to work with a headache. I have to have my head straight so I can think and strategize and lead my team. But faith, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So that means it's a 24-7, 365 proposition. 
Every situation that comes across your path is an opportunity for you to work your faith muscle. Whether it's a terrible doctor report or a simple headache, engage your faith. Engage your faith. And act accordingly. Act, faith must act. So what I did, I said, Lord, okay, I see it. I prayed the prayer of faith, Lord, I thank you because your word says by your stripes. And there are so many scriptures you can use. That's just the one that I use. By your stripes, I'm healed. So, Father, I receive healing for my headache. For this headache, not my headache. For this headache. And I thank you because it's gone now. And then, you know what I do? I turn my mind away from it. The next time I remember it, I just praise God. Lord, I thank you because I believe that I'm healed. And I'm telling you, every single time I've done this, I just realized that the headache is gone. It's just not there. Maybe 30 minutes later, an hour later, it's just gone. Where did it go? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> Glory to God. It's gone. So you have, if you want to develop your faith, faith is like a muscle. If you don't start with the little stuff, uh, the Bible says if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you fail in the day of adversity, um, King James, New King James, your strength is small. So that means... You have to build up capacity in the daily stuff that comes across your path. You have money problems. Instead of announcing it to everybody, there's nothing wrong with asking brothers to help you. We just read that. If a brother is in need, da, da, da. But start believing God. Start engaging your... Because he said, I am the Lord. I meet all your needs according to my riches in glory. There's no recession in heaven. They are never low. They are never out. They, there's none. So I start believing God. I start trusting God for my finances. And I'm telling you, God has really done amazing things in my personal life. Because where I am today was a dream of yesterday. And I've got other dreams for tomorrow. And somebody might say, well, if you are such a man of faith and uh, you are engaging your faith, how come uh, your wife is still not healed yet? Yet. I want to read this story to you that I came across as I was preparing for this. The Lord prompted me that I should read it. It's about Aretha Egging. That's Papa Egging's wife. Kenneth E. Egging's wife. And I'm going to read the story. When Aretha was in her 70s, the doctors diagnosed her with an incurable heart condition. It's important to recognize that when the doctors diagnosed her, she didn't say, well, I'm a Christian. I live with a mighty man of God. I've listened to a thousand, a bunch of sermons. And then think that's all she needed. That's not what she did. Instead, she started to fill up on the word of God herself. She took a healing scripture tape and played it all night and all day. It's on repeat. This is Aretha Hagen, Kenneth Hagen that has a worldwide healing ministry. Let me keep reading, and I'm going to comment on it. Wherever she was, she had the word flowing 100% all the time. So she cut off as the stomach turns on TV. She cut off... Glory to God. <laughs> now, she continued to meditate those scriptures. She knew them, but then she brings it up again and read it and meditate on it for months. She didn't say, well, I've heard it a little while, but so far it hasn't worked. So I guess it's just too bad. Maybe I'm just, this is just my time. And she didn't say, well, you know, heart disease runs in my family. So I guess it's just my time. No, she said, no, I'm just going to keep going. Now, during that time, because it lasted for more than a year, during that time, Kenneth Hagin would go and would flow in the prophetic. There will be healings in his crusades all over America, all over the world. Meanwhile, he has a wife at home dealing with a heart disease that the doctors can't figure out. After one year, I want you to hear that, after one year of hearing the word, she was at home one day watching TV with her husband. You know, her husband is a prophet. 
she was at home one day watching TV with her husband, and she saw an angel come into the room. The angel stood in front of her, reached into her chest, and deposited something she was carrying. I mean, the angel was carrying, and it was a new heart. Now, I want to comment again before I read the rest of it. Kenneth Hagin was sitting there with her, and he didn't see anything. And Kenneth Hagin is a worldwide prophet. Because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And God's gifts are manifested as the spirit wills. You can't turn on vision and close vision. That makes you God. If you can turn it on and close it, then that makes you God. Only the Holy Ghost can show you things. Can bring you into the spirit. Can open a vision to you. Can reveal things. It's only the Holy Spirit. She was the one that saw it. Now, they went to the doctor shortly after that. They didn't tell him anything that had happened. The doctor looked at the pictures, and we have a cardiologist in the house. The doctor looked at the picture and said, this isn't the same heart. This is the old picture. This is the picture I'm looking at. This is a completely different heart, which confirms what she saw. The angel of the Lord came, did whatever she needed to do, Remove the old part and put in a new one. But what I want us to see is what she did. We are all men and women of the word. Now you are facing something right now. You are going through a challenge in your life, financially, health. It's time to bring out the word and triple up. Quadruple up. Multiply it manyfold. And begin to meditate on the word. You know that scripture. You've preached on it before. Bring it out again and read it again. And say, Lord, your word says this. Your word says this. And I'm speaking to Bola. I'm speaking to uh, John. I'm speaking to everyone that I've been standing with. Standing for. This is what you ought to do. Don't give up. That's not in the equation. We know that. So let's put that one in the trash. We are not giving up. But what do we do between now and getting our miracle? We have miracles that happen instantly. We know that. We love that. Everybody loves that. But there are miracles that happen progressively. So tell me, why didn't you think Egan was not praying for his wife? He was praying. I know he was praying because I've read it in many of his books. I have all of his books. I've plagiarized the man. I have all of it. He was praying, not, not small prayer, all night, all, for a year. You think God was deaf? God was doing something in her. Because sometimes, and this is for our family members that are going through a situation and we are standing with them, that's their part in the equation. You can't say, oh, Pastor Tom has prayed for me, or Bishop has prayed for me, then, then now you are prayer contractors. You are a prayer contractor, you know, uh, Coach Mike is praying, so I don't need to pray. He's praying. Pastor Tom is praying, I don't need to pray. Terry is praying, James is praying, so I don't need to pray. No, that's laziness. That's spiritual laziness. Cut it out. Cut it out. God wants to heal you. God wants to give you that blessing, but you have your part to play. You have your part to play. The doctor confirmed that the heart that she has is not the same one. It's completely different. It's like a, a young heart. This was a lady in her 70s. And you guys know she outlived Papa Egan. Papa Egan died before him. Before her, rather. Because it was time for God to take him. Fate must act. Your faith must be put to action in all aspects of life, finances, your health, your business, whatever. Faith must be put to action. So now the question is, what action must I take? Number one, be led by the Holy Spirit. You notice, I just don't have enough time anymore. You notice in scripture that specifically, I, I highlighted the Holy Spirit uh, prompted me to highlight specifically blindness. I want you to go and study it, and I've got the scripture there for you. Blindness. Jesus dealt with blindness, 
not the same way every time. Blind Bartimaeus. Spit on the ground. It took the guy out of town. Why was he doing that? Because the Holy Spirit said, spit on the ground. So imagine a preacher do that today. You'll be on CNN. They are doing voodoo in that church. They are doing some weird magic in that church. But he did it because the Holy Spirit told him to do it. So if God tells John to do certain things, I cannot copy that. I have to go to the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, what should I do? Now, in the absence of God saying anything, stand on the word. One of the primary ways you act on your faith is by your words. Speaking is an action. I'll give you a good example of that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes and with the mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you believe it all you want, but you don't say it, you will not be saved. You believe it. If they put a gun to your head and say, do you believe this scripture? And you say, yes, I do. But you have to say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my... That is an action. That is what makes you born again. So in the absence of the Holy Spirit giving you any specific instruction, you stay with the spoken word. I declare over myself I will never be broke another day in my life. You are looking at a millionaire. That's a new one. That's my confession. You can laugh at it or be, what is wrong with this guy? No. I'm agreeing with what God says. I'm speaking God's word over my life. I'm walking anointing. I walk in grace. My ministry grows, expands, impacts the nations, being blessing to lives. That's my confession. I keep growing. I keep expanding. So when the Lord tells you something specific to do, you find that in John chapter 2, you know the story. In Cana of Galilee, Jesus and his mom and his compadres went to a wedding. And they ran out of wine. And then they came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, what's up? Do your thing. <laughs> and Jesus be like, uh, this is not my time. I'm trying to be funny so that y'all wake up. <laughs> I think it's working. And you know what Mary said? Like Nike. Whatever it tells you to do, just do it. Help me tell your neighbor, just do it. I want you to connect Nike to faith. Just do it. It tells you to jump, jump. It tells you to march around the city, march around the city. It tells you to go and put water in the basin, or in the pot rather, and feed it to the illustrious guests, the illustrious wedding guests. And they were like, are you serious? I don't feel like losing my job. Say, whatever he tells you to do, do it. How did Mary know that? You know, remember Mary had an encounter with Gabriel. Mary had a relationship with Jesus. He saw Jesus in the house. Mary knows some things about Jesus that's not recorded that we all don't know. So that's why she said, whatever it tells you. In fact, ignore Jesus. When Jesus said, it's not my time. Just turn to the guy and say, whatever it tells you to do, do it. No matter how crazy it sound, let's do it together. No matter how crazy it sound, no matter how unrealistic it sounds, no matter how foolish it sounds, Nike, just do it. Do what the word says, and you will experience what the word say. You will notice when it comes to blind situation, like I alluded to earlier, Jesus dealt with it differently. The reason he dealt with it differently was because he was being led by the Holy Spirit. So whatever the Lord tells you to do, that's why you can't build a doctrine on that. So if you have a headache, you must jump because God told you to jump. No. I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What am I supposed to do here? It might be in your finances. God says, empty your account. 
That's not a doctrine that you go on the pulpit and preach and say, every time you want to get blessed, empty your account. You're going to have a lot of people be mad at you because the reason you empty your account and it works is because, because God told you to do it. The grace is there to do it, and you obeyed it, and then the blessings flow. But what Richard is supposed to do is between God and Richard. Now, the basics, giving your tithe, giving offering, being generous, being uh, a good Christian, that's the basics. Glory to God. Is somebody receiving something this morning? Is somebody getting blessed this morning? I'm going to go through this real quick, and then I'm going to land the plane. Remember the story in Luke chapter 17, the 10 lepers. Because of time, I'm not going to read it. Well, maybe I'll read it. I'll read it because I already typed it. You know, I, I do this ahead of time so that I won't waste valuable time looking scriptures. It's very, very important. I need to stay. So that's why I put the word right on the paper so I don't have to look. The Bible says in verse, 17, verse 11, Luke 17, 11, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten lepers, ten men rather who were lepers, who were standing afar off. We preached on this before, so I'm not going to dwell on that, the reason why they are standing afar off. And they lifted their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he put his eyes on them, and he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. Now, I need to explain that. The reason he said that was because if somebody has leprosy and they get healed, whether through medicine or miracle, before they are re re reassembled or reabsorbed back into society, they have to go to the priest, and the priest have to do a physical inspection and say, yep, this guy is clean, and then he gives them some type of document that they can now move their property, their house, into the main society. Because lepers live on the outskirts of town. Go and study it. So when Jesus said that, they understood what he meant. Go show yourself to the priest. Meaning that, and at the moment, the leprosy was still on them. This is Jesus, the master. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Remember, whatever he tells you to do, Nike it. So the ten lepers surmised, that means by the time we get to the priest, something will happen. Because the only reason you show up to the priest is because you are clean. Because if you show up to the priest and you are not clean, he's probably going to spank you. You just wasted my time. Bible says, as they went. I want you to pay attention to that word in King James, New King James, as they went. They went is action. God said, go show yourself to the priest. Because they believed it, they acted on it. I don't know how many steps they took before they got to the priest. Somewhere from the time they left Jesus to get into the priest, the miracle took place. As they went... As you obey God, as you do what he tells you to do, the miracles flow. As they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. And of course, there is another issue about them coming back to, to give thanks. So when it comes to specific instruction of what I must do or what you must do, that's why you need to have a fellowship, intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He will tell you. He will tell you how to get the back healed, how to get your knee healed, how to get your blood pressure normal, all of that stuff. You know, some people even have some issues with it, like stopping medicine. They hear somebody's testimony that, you know, God healed me, and then I stopped my medicine. And then they concluded that, oh, the key to faith is I stop my medicine, and then I get healed. Most of the time, they get rushed to the hospital because they miss all the steps. You have to believe 
receive, and if God gives you a specific instruction to stop your medicine. In fact, all the testimonies that I've listened to, where people say they stopped their medicine, they said the Holy Spirit told me to stop my medicine. So I'm not telling you to stop your medicine. Do the work first. Feed your spirit. And if the Lord tells you to stop it, then you obeying that, the power falls on it, and then you see the result on the other side. So I want you to check your heart this morning. Are you carrying dead faith? Is there areas in your life that you are carrying dead faith? In other words, you know what dead faith is, right? Faith that is just sitting there waiting for God to act. Meanwhile, God is waiting for you to act. It's a game of uh, cat and mouse. Thank you. It's a game of cat and mouse. God is like, I'm waiting for my church to act. I'm waiting for my daughter to act. Meanwhile, you are sitting there waiting for God to act. Where are you carrying dead faith? Where am I carrying dead faith? Now, I'm going to wrap up with this. If God told you right now, and you verify, this is thus saith the Lord. You heard it, audible voice or whatever, you know, a vision, dream. And the Lord says to you, in your backyard, the one that you have right now, it's a million dollars in the ground. What will be your proof that you believe that message? In fact, I won't tell anybody. I'll do it at night. I'll get a tent. I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a tent. I'll do it at night. Maybe I'll do it over a period of nine, ten nights. Because I don't want to wake the neighbors. Because they might lay some claim to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it at night. I'm going to dig with spoon, with you know, shovel. So there's no noise. I'm not making no noise. You see what I'm saying? If you believe you will say. If you believe, you will do. If you believe, you will act. If you believe, if you believe God has called you to do that ministry, then start doing some. If you believe God has called you to go to the nation, start doing some research. Start doing something. Start doing something. And stay in the place of prayer with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that has the blueprint. And then he's going to say, okay, no, no, stop, slow down, slow down, do this, do that. And then you follow him, and then you follow him. And then one day, you are standing in front of a, a, a mighty stadium preaching to a million people. I've seen a vision of that, by the way. And it's going to happen. Standing in front of a million people preaching the word of God. Amen. But you can't just sit on your bum bum and say, well, I'm waiting for the million people to call me. No. You got to start. You cannot despise the days of small beginnings. Are you going to act on your faith, my brothers? Are you going to act on your faith, my sisters? And that's very, very weak. Are you going to act on your faith, Global River Church? Are you going to activate your faith? Are you going to put it to work every day in the face of contradictory circumstances? In the face of seeming going sideways, I stand tall. I stand my ground. No matter what I see, I keep moving forward with God. No matter what you see, you keep moving forward with God. No matter what it feels like, what it looks like, you keep moving forward with God. Because I believe. Come on, church. I want you to get on your feet this morning. Get on your feet this morning. You are going to practice. I want you to look at that specific area where you know, I don't need, you, you, you don't need anybody to tell you. Where you know you've been carrying dead faith. First of all, you are going to repent, so Lord, I'm sorry. I just didn't know. So now I'm going to activate my faith in that area. You know you can be victorious in ten areas of your life and defeated in one. Because you have not activated your faith there. Faith is the same in every realm, in finances, in health, in business, in ministry, in career, in everything. So I want you to begin to speak to God this morning. Lord, I repent for waiting on you when you were waiting on me. And Lord, I commit to using my faith every day, 
in simple stuff, headache, even pay, praying for the children. Every time the children has a headache, you send them to the cabinet. Why don't, aren't you a child of God? Aren't you a man and woman of faith? Why don't you activate their faith? Teach them faith. Activate faith. Come on, church. Engage the word of God. Don't carry around dead faith. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, I just pray over the house. Lord, your word has gone forth. You said it will not return unto you void, but it shall accomplish that which you have sent it. Because he sent his word and his word healed them. Lord, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, standing in my office, I take authority over every foul spirit, every false demon, every lying tongue, every lying spirit that is saying to them you will never make it, that is saying to them you will never get healed. I cancel that assignment in the name of the Lord Jesus. I decree and I declare you are set free in the name of Jesus. For whom the Son of God sets free is free indeed. I decree breakthrough, just like the song that we sang earlier, I decree breakthrough over your life, I decree increase over your life in the name of Jesus. Everyone that is oppressed, suppressed, depressed, the Bible says for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the enemy. And he has deputized me and you. So therefore in the name of Jesus, I stand in my office and I decree and I declare every force of hell harassing you, every force of hell speaking lies in your heart, I decree they are separated from you in the name of Jesus. I declare breakthrough over Global River Church. I declare breakthrough over your life. I declare turnaround in the name of Jesus. Everything that has been difficult, you are stepping into an authority of ease in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray with me. Pray with me for two more minutes. You begin to arrive you begin to step into your promise. You begin to step into your promise in the name of Jesus. You begin to step into the word of God in the name of Jesus. Healing begins to flow now in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough begins to flow now in the name of Jesus. Prosperity begins to flow now in the name of Jesus. Somebody speak to the Lord. Somebody speak to the Lord. Activate your faith. Activate your faith. Activate your faith in the name of Jesus. I will never be broke another day in my life life, that means you have to go get a job and believe God to prosper you in that job. That means you have to go start that business and start writing that book and start doing that which God has called you to do. That is your faith in action. That is your faith in action. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. He is alive. He is alive. He is our helper. He is our strength. He is our shield. Our high tower. I know you are lifted. You are not condemned. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Anytime the devil tells you something, you should know the opposite is the truth. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! He is alive. He's alive. We're about to see some major miracles in Global River Church. We're about to see a turnaround in Global River Church. I believe I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. We're about to, as you begin to engage your faith, we're about to see some long-standing miracles in our hands. In our hands. In our hands. In the name of Jesus. Blind eyes open, deaf ears popping open in the mighty name of Jesus.